0: Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Welcome to this podcast from Two Ways Ministries, I'm Philip Jensen. I want to question a common practice in churches today, that the home groups, the Bible study groups, are all studying the same passage as the preacher is preaching in the church on a Sunday. I want to raise whether this is the best way to operate. And I want to do it from some principle. The principle really is that priests are intermediaries, and we Protestants have only one priest, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our intermediary, he is the one who stands between us and God. And we do not need, want, or have human priests. Indeed, I want to prevent Protestant priesthood coming about. And I want to say that we tend to it by default. We haven't thought out priesthood. We're not seeking to reinstate priesthood. But we slip into it as it is so natural. Jesus rules his church by his spirit-inspired word, taught by his servants. We're to respect those servants and to submit to them because of their task. You may remember Hebrews 13, which says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And later in the same chapter, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. But there's the danger. The danger of them becoming intermediaries. It happens in lots of ways today. One of them is their scholarship. Rather than using it to inform the congregation, teach the congregation, encourage the congregation, it can be used to exclude the congregation, referring to the Greek or to the Hebrew or to scholars that they have read in such a way as to allow no alternative view. In fact, to put down those who would question or query what is being said. It can be because the position has become more important than the ministry. They've turned the task of ministering and pastoring into an office of being the pastor, being the teacher, and forgetting that we have no teacher other than the Lord Jesus Christ. It can be because their position becomes not open to challenge or question or debate. We can, over time, place ourselves above the congregation. It can, of course, be just a personality problem, an authoritarian streak, or an insecurity that will not allow us to be challenged. Those of us in the ministry of the Word of God serving the congregations must work hard to avoid the problems that come with power and authority and position. So, implementing the principles that I've just mentioned, how does it apply to preaching and home groups? Well, first and foremost, we must encourage and assist each person in our congregations to read the Bible for themselves. I worry that Bible reading may have slipped further and further in the background of normal Christian living. Reading the Bible regularly, consistently, reading all of the Bible, having Bible reading as a part of normal Christian piety is an important thing that pastors must encourage in their congregation to every member. Secondly, we must be open to question and open to correction Remember how Paul speaks to Timothy and says, let them see your progress, your progress in life, your progress in doctrine. The Christian minister is not somebody who has arrived, but rather somebody who's on the journey, following the Lord Jesus Christ and growing in his knowledge, his doctrine, and also in his life. And so setting the example to the congregation of somebody who is in progress, not somebody who has finished and knows everything. And thirdly, we must model Bible reading in our church life. In the main meeting itself, it's important that we have two lessons of Bible reading, not one. For the Bible comes to us in two testaments and one gospel, one message, but it's presented to us in the two testaments. We will not understand the New Testament, without the Old, and we will not understand the Old Testament without the New. Teaching people to read both Old and New Testaments, modelling the reading of Old and New Testaments, is an important way of teaching people how to read the Bible. And we need decent readings from the Bible, and from all the Bible. When I say decent, I'm talking about ones that are long enough to actually understand the Bible, to work through the Bible. There is an increasing tendency in our society, which is wanting quick, speedy answers, to read just one or two verses. But that is not how to read the Bible. Chapters need to be read. And it's not just the chapters that are appropriate to the sermon. So are we are we preaching on one verse in the New Testament and we read a couple of verses of the Old Testament that somehow relate to that one verse, we're never going to read the Bible or model Bible reading in church if that is the approach we have to Bible reading. We are unwittingly teaching the people that the Bible is not all that important. You just have to be able to know the right verse to look up which well the minister does because he's the expert and so we are creating the intermediaries. The intermediaries of knowledge, but they're intermediaries. Now, we need to read large sections of the Bible, and any part of the Bible, every part of the Bible, needs to be read. Of course, to do this, there's another thing we must do, that is, we must read the Bible well. It's not the kind of well, we need to get another Bible reader today. Let's get uh, Fred. We haven't had Fred this year. Even though Fred can't read very well out loud, we are very careful with our musicians that they can lead well. We're very careful with our treasurer that they can keep the money and the books straight and we actually audit their events. But Bible reading, well, anybody can do that. No, they can't. Not when it comes to public reading of the Bible. Personal reading, yes. But public reading, we need to make sure that these lessons are read well. Very often in church, more time is spent on the announcements and notices than is spent reading the Bible. When the very function of church is to come together to hear the Word of God. And that's not just to hear the sermon. That's to hear the Word of God. So one of the first parts of implementing these principles is to make sure the Bible is properly read in church and people are encouraged to see how the Bible is to be read. But it's in the area of implementing these kinds of principles that I come to the subject of home groups or Bible study groups that meet in the church and their relationship with sermons. It's not a matter of right and wrong, or sin and evil or righteousness. It's a matter of wisdom and effectiveness in the teaching of God's Word and the modelling of the reading of God's Word. The idea that the whole church is studying the same passage of Scripture this week, it's a good idea in some ways. There are positives about it, there are negatives. But most of the positives are short-term. For a little while, there's a particular part of Scripture, there's a particular issue, there's a particular matter that needs to the attention of the whole church, and so we unite the church by everybody studying this particular issue. It's helpful sometimes to do this for church members to get used to expository preaching if they've never heard the Bible being preached before. Those churches which have grown up with topical preaching and have now a pastor who is trying to expound the scriptures find the actual idea of expounding scriptures quite strange. And to have the home group studying the same passage at the same time does enable them to understand what's taking place in the sermon better. It's also useful if there are no experienced home group leaders who could lead Bible studies in their home or wherever they are having Bible studies to give them assistance by providing the materials for them to study and by helping them see the sermons and how the word of God is actually to speak to the congregation today. So there are positives about doing it but each of these I think are of the short-term nature. The negatives they are much more long-term And they worry me, for the practice reduces the congregation's knowledge of the Bible. As only one part of Scripture a week is being studied, that is, at best, 50 chapters a a year are being studied anywhere in the congregation. It, It makes the minister's sermon lead the church, for there's no other voice from Scripture than the minister's voice as he studies the Scriptures. He, of course, gives the authorised version of what should have been found out in the Bible study group. He is the one who corrects the misinformation and the misunderstandings. His voice becomes dominant, and it heightens the control of the minister over the church. As he sets the agenda for what part of the Bible will be studied this year, and next year, and the year after, it is not the word of God that is setting the agenda for the church. It's the minister's understanding of the word of God. It's the minister's interest in the word of God. And it lessens the congregation's members' confidence in being able to read the Bible for themselves. We have to do it with the authorized teacher telling us what it really meant. No it's much better to have the congregation studying the Bible in all its diversity. I would encourage all the groups to study different parts of the Bible, to explore and to discover it for themselves, and to bring to the main meeting of the congregation their insights and their questions from any and every part of the Bible. The more groups studying the more of the Bible, the greater the Word of God, is ruling in the church rather than the pastor but the problem comes for some people they ask the question well and how will the church remain united won't these home groups become silos where the, the the leader of the home group the leader of the bible study group actually can be divisive within the congregational life well that can be a problem, and when it happens, it's a dreadful problem. But the way to solve the problem is not got to do with making everybody study what the preacher wants to preach on. How we do it is to be making sure that it's the word, not the minister, that is leading the congregation. We have to beware of trying to control everything, especially those who are in any position that could be seen as powerful. What we need to do as pastors is make sure the selection of leaders, the training of leaders, and the supporting of leaders will keep us united with each other. If we haven't taught the leaders the Word of God, then it won't be surprising that they will be unable to lead in the teaching of the Word of God. We must trust our leaders, and support them in what they're doing. If their leaders haven't got the experience or the ability to lead, one of the other ways of resolving the problems is to choose printed materials for them. Matthias Media produces, for example, interactive Bible studies and say, well, why don't you lead these groups? In the Sunday school that I grew up in, we all taught by the same Sunday school material. The classes, the age groups, were teaching different parts of the Bible, but the quality control lay in the material that we were given by which to teach our classes. I don't think that is as good as letting each group go into its own discovery of different parts of the Bible, but when the leadership is not highly qualified or able then that is an easy way of keeping quality control. Another way is by reforming the groups every year. This stops the silo effect. If every year we abandon all the groups we've had last year and start again with completely new groups, it enables the Bible to be ruling across the groups and it brings some possibility of correcting any kind of problem we have with leaders heading off into their own directions and away from the Word of God. Starting new groups also enables us to welcome newcomers into the church more easily, for when groups have been going for several years, it's very hard for newcomers to join in. And we must remember that the unity we're seeking in the church is not organisational unity, but spiritual unity of being of one mind, one heart, of humbly serving each other with the mind of Christ. Power is a dangerous thing in a sinful world and in a sinful man. And so it is always wise to decentralise power and to keep power in the word of God, not in the person who teaches the word of God. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. This, of course, requires us, each one, to know the word of Christ, that we may teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. We don't need priests to teach us to stand between us and God. That is not what is required. And those of us, in the position of serving God's people must be careful not to become the obstacles to their learning and understanding for we're there to help their learning and understanding. James tells us that we're to confess our sins to one another. And there was a wag in the Reformation period who said he travelled all over England looking for the reverend father one another to confess his sins, but he couldn't find him anywhere. We do not have people standing between us and God. The Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ leads us in his word and by his word to know and trust In our one true mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your word. And we pray that you would help us to so read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest it, that by the comfort and security of your word, we may know you as our Father and Jesus as our Lord and live in obedience to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this new podcast from Philip Jensen and Two Ways Ministries. Philip will be bringing to you new regular episodes on a variety of topics and current issues. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up with his latest.